0: Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. And this uh, Friday, today, this morning, we have the opportunity, Baruch Hashem, to announce and congratulate and wish a Mazel Tov to Malcolm. As uh, we have found out that Avi Stein, this is a grandson to Frady and Malcolm Holmline, Avi Stein is engaged to Racheli e. Kass, both from Brooklyn, New York. Malcolm Homeline Mazel up to you and the entire family. Mazel Tov
1: to you. May we be able to announce many simachotas. It's wonderful that Avi, the daughter of Joshua and Sarah Stein, and Racheli Kass, the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Alan Kass, got together and we have a
0: hopefully build device in that Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, we should continue to share smachot together. Uh, well, obviously, a lot of things going on in this world. Is there a list of candidates that anybody's compiled that you're aware of uh, that are either um, running in uh, upcoming elections, September, November, here in the U.S., both local and you know broader ones, uh, who have I don't know what we would call questionable views or interesting statements regarding? Israel, the PA, etc. Because there are a lot, as you know, that have been uh, getting a tremendous amount of publicity and I'm wondering if anyone is keeping track of all the very small local elections and the larger ones in certain states that are featuring candidates like this.
1: I think this is one of the underplayed and uh, not understood stories. I've, I've tried to allude to it during our shows in the past couple of weeks. As it became clear that the uh, the partisanship, the divisions, the extremism uh, that we see permeating the political process. We saw it in Europe, where the center is being lost, and we saw the move to the left extreme and right extreme. We saw it in our elections, in more recent elections here. But now we are seeing the emergence of a group of candidates, its not individuals anymore, both Republican and Democrat, who hold very extreme views, including openly anti-Semitic views, certainly anti-Israel views. And I think there are several lessons uh, to be derived from it. I have talked long about the need for us, and we are trying to implement it at the conference uh, to reach out to the Democratic left because I don't believe we can write off any segment of the population. But when you see the numbers that support for Israel is less than a third amongst the Democratic left, Uh, Republican right, it goes up to 70-some percent, Overall, the good news is the American people in the latest poll this week, still 64% support Israel, 19% the Palestinians. But when you look at the demographic ages, the younger, the numbers start to inverse. And, uh, and so the ca- emergence of candidates often running now without ca- uh, opposition, like the candidate in Queens, right. Uh, who beat Crowley, there's no one run against him. Now, Duncan Hunter drops out of the race in California, and his opponent will run, I think, unchallenged, because I don't know that they can switch the candidate or have somebody substitute. And this is the grandson of the mastermind of the Munich Massacre. We have candidates in, um, in uh, Michigan and Minnesota, Missouri, elsewhere, emerging who are, uh, who talk that they are against, they, they have a Palestinian uh, candidate and others. It's not because uh, she's Palestinian, but because of her views. And I think people, all of us, have to be alert. We now have ways to monitor it, to, to look at least at the emergence of extremist views uh, uh, on the part of candidates. But but we're seeing it all, all around the country. And while they don't win because they're anti-Semites, in some cases it's not enough of a reason... For them to lose and they win in most cases with a minority of of the vote so it means that we have to make sure people turn out to vote it means that we have to identify them not when they get into a primary or into a general election but when they start running is to highlight who they are what their views are don't dismiss it we've seen too many cases where powerful candidates people who are in top leadership positions in the Congress lose only because they take for granted, and because their supporters take for granted, that they
0: will win. Boiling it down to statistics and numbers is not always the best idea, but but I'm sure there are plenty of people listening, including myself right now, frankly, who are wondering, is this in the tens? Is this in the hundreds? How many people no, in no, potential no. leadership it's, positions are taking these types of positions?
1: No, it's not. It's not in. First of all, they're not all federal races, though some are congressional races. Some of them are for uh, state assemblies and right. other uh, positions. But I would say if it, probably in congressional races, there are, are more than 10 that are of real uh,
0: concern to us. Including Rashida Tlaib is her name, yes. the Democratic nominee in the district uh, in Detroit who believes right. in a one-state solution, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and uh, wants to rescind all uh, aid, all uh, military assistance to Israel. Uh, yeah, that, but, that, but that people that's understand one, that a one-state solution doesn't mean a state of Israel. Correct, and that's one good example. I mean, this is yes. this, that's one good example exactly. of what we're talking about this morning. Um, people have got to be on the uh, on the lookout. People have got to be in the know, and as you said, they have to reach out at a much earlier stage than where these candidates have already ended up. And
1: if I can make one other suggestion sure. that came up in discussions, and that is that those who who want before Russia shuts As schools come back into session, have them the students write a letter of appreciation to the president for the move on Jerusalem, and to express support for those people in Congress who take stands for us. That they that they hear from us because they only if they only hear from the opposition, if they hear from those who are anti and not from those who are pro. And we always believe in showing Akharsatov, and even if you disagree with him or her. And in Canada and a lot of other things, where they stand up for what's really vital and essential, I think it's important that that people acknowledge it and, and never give in to the negative forces. The you know Sodastream just was sold for three point two billion dollars to Pepsi. Sodastream became the symbol of the BDS movement, right? right. Remember the, sure. uh, well, it was Scarlett Johansson, who was a spokeswoman, mm-hmm. all the pressures and how they forced the closing of the factory in Malad-Dumim, which meant that uh, hundreds and hundreds of Palestinians lost their jobs. And I remember the mayor of the big city in the West Bank calling me and screaming about this and saying, you've got to stop this. And I said, no, you have to stop it. It was the PA that started the BDS. Right. Now you have, and he said to me that they they will make one-tenth of what they made at so stream, where they got paid equal to Israelis. and. Um, and, that, and they, of course, moved. And now the company is being sold at a premium price, and it's a, it's a message about BDS. And when he did not succumb to it, he didn't fall victim to the BDS campaign, that shows that they they will ultimately be rewarded. But it's it's essential that we stand up and speak up, not be intimidated by the by the, the many loud voices, often backed with very limited. Um, numbers. Uh, it's not. I think it's. And we see the situation with Corbyn in, in Great Britain, where every week revelations are coming out, now showing a long history of vile actions by the leader of the Labour Party. The Jewish community is finding its voice there. They had all the newspaper, Jewish newspapers, uh, editorialized a single editorial against him. There were some demonstrations, but for too long it was tolerated. People right. knew what Corbyn uh, believed in. And if you don't stand up and make it clear to everybody what what we're going to do, what we what we stand for, and and work together in building coalitions and, and finding um, others and telling the, the positive stories. It was just released this week of a study that shows that the most matriculated population in Israel Nahum, is mm, the Druze population. The Druze population. and And amongst Israeli Arabs, up 66%. But you only will read... About the demonstrations, right. which some people made against Israel, on the not state. about right. all of the positive stuff. So
0: Interesting. You mentioned SodaStream a moment ago. I can't pass up the drama. Um, Irvin Birnbaum was on the uh, ship, the Exodus, in 1947. That was turned around by British shol- soldiers upon arrival to mandatory Palestine in 1947. Um, 22 years after being forced back to Germany, he finally made it back to Israel with his wife and three sons. Um, All that SodaStream CEO Daniel Birnbaum told his parents, or by Irvin and Hadassah Birnbaum, on Sunday night was to come to a function of his company at the Tel Aviv Hilton the following afternoon. They did not know until the rest of the world did that the purpose of the event was to, to announce the sale of his carbonated drink machine maker to PepsiCo for $3.2 billion. You know, I said on uh, on Monday morning... Uh, Aside from the Pepsi boycott, which, you know, business-wise, they thought they were making a good decision uh, when the Arab states said, you know, if you sell to Israel, we're not buying from you. So they thought they were making a good good business decision. When I was growing up, Malcolm, our elementary school was filled with stickers. The walls had stickers on them that said, don't buy Pepsi, Pepsi sells to Russia, Russia sells Jews. I think that's the exact quote. You know, as a kid, you remember this stuff and it gets gets, uh, committed to memory. Uh, And now look what's going on. And I know that. You know, we do love to emphasize the positive news and, and you always help us understand this in the context of history. It's incredible that this symbol, not just of BDS in recent times, but a symbol of complete, uh, a complete, um, commercial anti Zionism. Let's put it that way, right? Even if it was for business reasons, whatever it was, commercial anti Zionism is now making a deal with SodaStream built in Israel to this multi-billion dollar corporation to bring it under their umbrella. The whole thing is just amazing.
1: It is amazing. I do remember that well, that because they said that it had come to the uh, Arab boycott, right. and uh, at, at other times it was because of uh, uh, their dealings with Russia at a time when we were trying to put the pressure on for the release of, of uh, Russian Jews. But they, you know, they, when you do the right thing, ultimately... In most cases, it gets rewarded. I saw this week, and I try every week to update, the companies that, uh, as a result of the sanctions against Iran, have taken action. And this week, uh, yesterday, uh, British Airways, KLM, Air France, all discontinued their activity in Iran. Now, some of these are government-owned. And when you know that the EU, and I've reported regularly, has tried all sorts of blocking... Uh, uh, um, legislation against the, the sanctions, promising to back the companies. It's all come to naught. This week also Deutsche Telekom, which is the largest telecommunications provider in Europe, and, uh, and Deutsche Bahn, which is a railroad, both state-owned German companies. And, uh, and they joined Daimler-Benz and others, all of whom withdrew uh, and are withdrawing from um, uh, you, uh, doing business despite the blocking statute, as they call it, from uh, to protect the firms. So when you stand up and you do the right thing, as the administration did in regard to Iran, now and everybody predicted that you know we would just be cut out of contracts. And when China announced that they're not going to let their ships carry the um, oil, they're going to use Iranian uh, carriers because they're afraid of uh, of the boycott. The companies don't want to don't want to carry it, and it applies everywhere that. That We should never be intimidated, and we have to assess what is the right thing to do. It doesn't right. mean you always do what you, you know, want you to do. You do it when it's smart to do it.
0: And not to downplay what you just described regarding the airlines. I get that, and you know, good wins over evil in the long run, we know. But it is possible in this case that some of the airlines just went to their governments or went to other officials and said, look, this is this is killing our pocketbook. This is killing our wallet if we go ahead and continue this type of activity. And Iran may as well eliminate the route. And, you know, and reap the benefits of it, right? I guess there was a practical decision involved as well.
1: It's pragmatic in the sense that they don't want to be subject to sanctions. Right. It's, it's, you know, right now, I guess it didn't cost them because they make money on the routes to to uh, Iran. But, you know, it's it's when it comes down to the bottom line, if you have a choice of doing business between the United States and Iran, right. even if your governments don't like it, they're going to go the pragmatic way.
0: And on the PepsiCo story, yes, you're right. You know, in the end, you know, <laughs> right wins out. But imagine imagine the elder Birnbaum, who, thank God in his life, got to see this turnaround. I mean, the, the, the man is rejected, along with so many others, from coming into what was then Palestine. And, you know, Im- imagine the context of history during the era that he saw it. And then just a few decades later, he sees this incredible... You know, personal story, of course, because his son's involved, but, you know, national story uh, of where Israel stands in the world. It just the whole thing is so remarkable. And moving, by the way, at the pace that our prophets said they would move this late in our tradition, if you know what I mean. Moving mm-hmm. very, very quickly at this point. It just it, It's really remarkable. I mean, it's just, you know, these decades, you know. In the old days, it would have taken at least centuries for this type of thing to happen. <laughs> now it's happening in a matter of years. In seconds. Yeah, exactly, which has to be recognized. Uh, any evidence that this uh, attack in near Paris was in fact the work of ISIS? They did claim responsibility for it.
1: They did, and it's being investigated, but you know, it would not be surprising. ISIS uh, leaders gave orders uh, over recent days to increase the attacks against um Targets abroad, and and even uh, designating. Don't forget, and and by the way, uh, also um, Hamas leaders uh, join it. They about the carrying out attacks, even a ramp, uh, car attacks, and of course uh, bombings and all sorts of things. And so this would it would not be surprising that they find a direct link. Although often terrorist groups, you know, will take credit yeah. for something, even if
0: they. We're not directly involved. Yeah, they like to hop on the bandwagon. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, and the web, at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us Friday, 7.40 Eastern time. He's on the phone as we speak. He is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, uh, other influential Holocaust survivors this week in the news. Apparently, I don't know if you saw this. Apparently, Michael Cohen's father, right. Maurice, a Holocaust survivor, encouraged him to come clean and tell the truth. Yeah, I, I so, like
1: the Soda sort of Stream story better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> that, that's the one we really should highlight. Uh, the story of the week, as far as I'm concerned, that people uh, have been encouraging me to bring up with you, and I'll do that now, is um, President Trump's uh, statement. That it looks like uh, Secretary Bolton had to had to uh, walk back a bit. Uh, what, what President Trump is suggesting, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, what President Trump is suggesting is that because Israel had such a quote-unquote victory in terms of the embassy move, such a gesture by the U.S. that now they will quote-unquote, they meaning Israel, will pay the price in Israel PA negotiations uh, as they move forward. Uh, they'll have to be much more generous because look at what they got already in the quote-unquote deal. Does that describe what the president said? Uh, I, I don't think
1: so. And from my understanding, first of all, the wording is very important because the president didn't say that he would they, Israel would have to pay a higher price. He just said a high price. Okay. Well, the word, wording always has been that both sides will have to pay a high price and make painful concessions, et cetera. And if the president's trying to either induce the Palestinians to the table or to, you know, appear balanced or because of pressure maybe from some of the other partners that they're bringing into the process, they've been approaching it in a thoughtful, deliberative way. Uh, the reports that they're going to uh, announce it at the UN General Assembly session in September are not true, and I think Bolton made it clear that there's no quid pro quo. He's the National Security Advisor, the President, and he was in Jerusalem for three days, uh, that there was no quid pro quo for, for the Jerusalem move, that there was no nothing tied to it. He did it because it was the right thing, and we've heard from administration people uh, this uh, during the week, that the, um, uh, so, the, the I think too much was may have been made of it, but it was not uh, something new that that there's going to be a price if, if both sides are going to come to the table, both was, sides but, are going to have to give.
0: Was too much made of the fact that it seems that uh, from the Palestinian side, Jerusalem is now off the table because it's uh, it's quite obvious with U.S. recognition there's no issue anymore about Jerusalem?
1: Well, PA says no. It's not off the table because a they want recognition of East Jerusalem as their capital, and they, they in fact said it very explicitly uh, this week. But but Abbas is just not willing to come to the table. He doesn't talk to the negotiators. He's not he um, 's not willing even to come and help make us the, the, some resolution in the egyptian effort in the, in in Gaza uh, where there are efforts to involving egypt Qatar others to to provide, provide funding to try to stabilize the situation which Israel uh, also supports and, and wants to see happen uh, but you have no partner and the guy who 's eighty two years old he 's in the thirteenth year of his four-year term, he so far has made uh, no effort. In fact, we're seeing talk of succession, and uh, each of the possible succeeders is lining up some militia group behind them. So you could have a very uh, volatile, if not violent, reaction. Yeah, this could be a,
0: this could be a real bloodbath. I don't mean political bloodbath; it could be a real physical bloodbath.
1: Absolutely, exactly the point uh, that that we're talking about. And now he and he's being challenged on on. Um, on many fronts, and he, of course, said that Jerusalem isn't off the table, um, and he wants, and you notice that they keep stressing the Palestinians don't talk about buildings, institutions of state. They no longer emphasize it. In fact, I think they undermine them. They focus personally on Abbas who is leading and ruling completely by himself and the PLO and PNC. They talk about those, but not about the, the, the building of the infrastructure. And that is leading to more and more alienation amongst the youth and uh, others. And successors are looking at this and saying, you know, this situation is, is increasingly intolerable. Economy,
0: Yeah, but I, I can't imagine that that would prevent anybody from trying to vie for his position.
1: No, I, I'm not saying that they won't. There, right. are, there are plenty of people who have put forward their names, but there's no obvious successor right. uh, at, at this point to, to the to to um, uh, to Abbas. Plus, you have now. I mean, as long as they're they're talking separately and they're not coming together with Gaza, they don't take over the rule. And he is trying to undermine every effort there because he wants to destroy Hamas. He doesn't want to have anything uh, appear to to uh, reward them. To reward Hamas uh, because he, he is afraid and he's afraid of, of going to elections over this. So he will strike out at the U.S. at the negotiators. He, uh, you know, he made a speech where he, last week where he spoke about keeping the ground aflame. I mean, that's not the language of somebody who, who is looking for reconciliation and, and to move
0: uh, uh, forward on any kind of process. Yeah. Understood. Um, the. The president, the the prime minister of Israel, was in Lithuania this week. Uh, I think he's still there now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Why are these meetings with with what some people would refer to as smaller countries than Russia, etc., why are they so important to Israel?
1: Well, East Europe is very important uh, in general because they tend to vote more uh, sympathetically with Israel than uh, old Europe. Uh, they are part of the EU in, in, in many cases, and, uh, and um, they the United Nations often with Israel, so they express appreciation. Uh, these are countries that are facing challenges from Russia, from elsewhere, pressures on them. Uh, and there are questionable things, because we've seen them honor people that uh, uh, play were collaborators or, or worse uh, during World War II. But the prime minister... Uh, went there and uh, uh, showed appreciation to them, and I, I think he'll be visiting other countries. It, it shows that Israel is not isolated. It shows uh, to those who, who not only predicted but who still predict that Israel will be alone. And as his trips to, the, to Latin America, to South America last year, uh, during this past year, all of these things help uh, uh, erode the anti-israel coalition
0: when um uh, bolton was in israel he had to address this issue um um i'm I'm sort of wondering whether the prime minister is doubling down on the trump generosity (laughs) because now that everything's happened with the embassy recognition of jerusalem etc maybe now uh, the prime minister feels that he can go for the full jackpot by getting american recognition of the golan and, uh, and, and having the U.S. recognize it as, as really part of Israel, Bolton reacted that there's been no change in U.S. policy in this area. Do you, you think the prime minister is acting on it for that reason, because of the streak that he's on with Washington at this point?
1: I think that it's because of domestic pressures, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think it, 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 many people feel it would be a mistake to press it right now. Uh, But, uh, you know, people are smelling an election and the possibility, not only because of the draft law, but uh, an election will take place no matter what at the end of 19 when this term ends, but more likely earlier, maybe September, uh, maybe uh, January, February, March of of, uh, 2019. Uh, So people are grandstanding, and and the issue with the Golan is that people are looking at the reality there. We see the encroachment of Iranian militias. Yeah. We see the others. You know, this week, the Houthis from Yemen are in meeting with Nasrallah in Lebanon. You see the connections that uh, that, that continue to exist and the, the dominance of Hezbollah in Lebanon. It's the only country where the uh, uh, an extremist revolutionary group is really more powerful than the army of the country itself. And the... Uh, so they look at at what's happening in, in near the Golan, with the, uh, the Syrian troops have taken much of the area. They talk talk about turning it over to UN, but we know that you have uh, tens of thousands of Iranian militias. So as to take this issue off the table, they're saying it's time to to an exit officially and make a part of Israel I think most people will say that it's not a smart move at this time there's no need Israel has controlled the the supposedly the Russians others agreed to some sort of a buffer zone it's questionable about whether they can really hold it it's really up to Israel to, do, to defend the border and, and probably uh, Jordan's border as well from the encroachment of uh, of, uh different terrorist uh, groups now Bolton said that the United States would stay till the end of ISIS destruction of ISIS, and as long as the Iranians are there, that's very important because I think the withdrawal of U.S. troops would be uh, devastating at this time. Uh, and hopefully, they will end uh, ISIS as a caliphate in in, uh, in overall, but also in Syria and uh, and get rid of uh, Iran. The Russians supposedly said to him that they would support that, but the implementation uh, is very difficult. Uh, so, hopefully, and and the question is what Assad and others uh, will do. I don't believe that in long term they want uh, they all want to have their own countries in Iran. But right now, it serves their purpose, and you know, Iran was critical in getting them to the point that they're at now. So it's so people were looking at the Golan in in that context but it I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Unbelievable. What besides besides obviously it's the biggest issue besides national security draft law you just mentioned uh, Golan possibly as you just said that could be brought up by Netanyahu for political you know for political reasons are, are there other issues that you feel at this point would be as big as those in the upcoming election
1: in Israel? Yeah. Well, I think Netanyahu will run on the economy and be able to show, you know, what he's done. And it goes back to the to the economy, stupid. Basically, people are concerned about their lives. But for Israel, the big issue always is security. Right. Now, the relationship with the United States being as strong as it is, is a real asset. And people in, in Israel feel it uh, pretty universally. Um, so... The, uh, the domestic issues always arise in in that context, as we've seen with some of the legislative initiatives, initiatives and other things um, in, recent, uh, in recent months. You know, the threat of Iran, Netanyahu will certainly uh, show how he's been able to stabilize it and how they are fighting terrorism. People are unhappy about the situation in Gaza and potential resolutions if they don't see something that will really put a longer-term end... To the, to the problem, and uh, everybody appreciates what Egypt is doing and trying to, to broker a deal and getting a ceasefire, but people don't trust the ceasefire long-term. There have been too many of them, and they get violated. The amount of damage that was done is, is really quite extensive. By
0: the way, the, the, the seaport near Cyprus, the airport near Eilat, those are ceasefire recommendations, or those are long-term P.A. Israel peace treaty recommendations?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say peace treaty. I would say longer term. Um, the the promise is that if, over time, it, in other words, it would be a phased deal, then you would get the sea lane maybe to a port in um, in Cyprus. Uh, there's talk of an airport. There's talk of other things. Uh, it all it all depends. our are huge security uh, situations. Um, I, I think that the uh, if there is real. Uh, progress in terms of coming, moving ahead on a peace process, a peace plan. They are clearly working on it. The administration has been working diligently in putting it together very thoughtfully. It, it seems building support in the region for it. Uh, but the, uh, the key is they don't have a, a partner, number one. And, and as long as Abbas boycotts it, you can't have a process. Second, I think they have to look at the right timing, uh, for presenting it, and you have to pre- prepare the groundwork, including in the Arab world itself, to talk to the people in the Arab world, to get them, uh, you know, to soften the ground, to get them uh, ready for any kind of a deal, in order for governments to be able to participate in the talks, to, to support them publicly or privately, uh, you, you have to do a, a lot of preparatory work, and I think that is uh, uh, being done and being considered thoughtfully. So the, um, anything that you hear, you gotta first put in context, second of all, about what, what can really be implemented. You see that Israel's power still couldn't stop the, the kites and the amount of damage they did destroying, you know, the forests that were planted since the 50s to protect the communities in the western Negev. You know because they they serve one to absorb incoming rockets to block the view of the uh, of terrorists of, sh- of sharpshooters to be able to hit these communities and um, you know they are really a secure, essential security uh, asset, and now many of them have been burnt and it'll take a long time till
0: they can be rebuilt unbelievable what did you uh, or let me ask you more accurately give me a second uh, is it a fact that jacqui has in fact been deported to Germany at the age of ninety five Yes, and
1: I think the administration properly deserves recognition because but this was initiated in previous administration, but uh, the deportation was not uh, implemented, and this administration said there's no reason that this guy should should be here uh, i don 't think he'll be prosecuted in Germany. But I think that the deportation is important, and you have to say that there's no time limit, there's no statute of limitations on genocide. A reminder to people, uh, uh, at when at a time when we see the Holocaust deniers and we see the the attempts to diminish uh, uh, the Shoah, and when we see people who who want to carry out attacks in this country, that there has to be eternal vigilance. We have to stand up, and and no matter what age, what time, what excuse. That he should have been deported a long time ago, he clearly lied, and uh, hopefully that uh, he will not live the rest of his life in peace and comfort. By the way, just to to know, look at the two men who were charged with being agents of Iran, including one who was monitoring a Chabad Center in Illinois and uh, monitoring the MEK.
0: Meaning people arrested in the
1: U.S.? In the, in the U.S. Right. It sounded like they were arrested in exactly. Iran, right? People were arrested in the U.S. And, uh, uh these guys, it, it, we can go into the whole story, but it's, uh, it's long, but it, it's not alone to think that, uh, the operations and all these guys, they're operating in the United States. We know there are many, and the, Iran has infrastructure here, others have, that we have to be absolute in, in the determination on the local level, state level, federal level, all agencies, law enforcement,
0: the legal, everyone. Oh, and, good, and, and by the way, good advice as we get closer to the high holidays, which are just two weeks away, because you know that synagogues and Jewish institutions become much more high-profile during that time.
1: That's right, and it's, this is the time to plan, not the day before, uh, but to meet with police and to uh, talk to them. And New York police does outreach uh, during this time and really are excellent in that regard, but hopefully everywhere uh, people will do it. By the way, one other issue that we're likely to see in the coming weeks is and the announcement on UNRWA, and whether the United States, as they did with the Human Rights Council, will defund them. As you know, the UNRWA, I think, has 30,000 employees, and the latest (sighs) studies show that there are really 30,000 Palestinian first-generation refugees. I mean, there's no other refugee population who's defined the way Palestinians, which means that your great-grandchildren are are considered uh, Refugees. uh, refugees. So they claim UNRWA supports 5 million registered Palestinian refugees today. It's their descendants and the descendants' descendants, etc. And so there are plans how to turn this over to the PA, to others, and to other institutions and uh, stop the, the uh, unres- uh, organizational model. And it, it created a dependency culture, a welfare culture that uh, has long been criticized. As you know, there are special institutions at the U.N. agencies that really are just uh, millions and millions of dollars devoted to propaganda against Israel for the Palestinians, uh, and the administration has taken a strong stand at the Human Rights Council. And now, this move against UNRWA, which I think will in, enjoy support across uh, the political aisles, um, is a, is another important statement.
0: Amazing. Um, the The most incredible suggestion, which I think is so simple, but such an amazing suggestion. You started with it during this conversation this morning, and I hope we can get every school to participate. The school year should begin with a letter writing campaign from students, teachers, everybody in the school environments and obviously everybody in the community, to President Trump for what he has done in recognizing Jerusalem and moving the embassy during the year five, seven, seven, eight. It's an amazing way for the year to end and a perfect way for the brand new year to start. And I'm going to I'm going to do my best to remind everybody about that. Over the next couple of weeks, every single day.
1: But they can also write to their senders, to others who do the right thing and have right. been supportive. That people have to hear from us, and this is a great time, and it'll be a great lesson in civics for the kids. And it's not; doesn't have to be partisan. It should be uh, uh, teaching them the lesson of Hakarisat Satov and getting them uh, to understand the importance of voting and being part of the political process. Uh, the, if the lesson of this year of the candidates who are running, of what happens when you have inaction, when uh, the challenges that, that we talked about and hardly even scratched the surface of, uh, of so many of the things that are on the agenda for us for this, uh, for this year, when you see, you know, the we didn't even talk about the developments in Turkey or, the, or elsewhere and what their implications and, and of course, Iran's continuing uh, aggressive uh, uh, behavior that that we have to educate the next generation, and frankly, this generation. And I know we, ta- we talk about the
0: kids, but we mean for the parents as well. No question about it. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Mazal tov again to the Stein and Kas and Honline families, and we will reconvene, Bezrat Hashem, next week. God willing. Be- there he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations.